welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And we're going to be talking about the modernization of cyber defense, cybersecurity, and kind of what are things going on all around the world. I'm joined uh, today by Don Lewis, the former deputy director of the NATO Cyberspace Operations Center. And uh, Don, you're just back uh, here in San Antonio recently. Yeah, I am. We just got back a few weeks ago, so I'm, I'm trying to get my uh, biorhythms back together and, and uh, yeah. set up shop and, and, and get going. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, so uh, uh, as you're uh, making these changes, how did you end up in San Antonio of all the, the different places you could have ended up? So um, I was stationed here uh, actually about 10 years ago. Uh, I worked both at, at Lackland and Randolph, uh, standing up the 690th Network Support squadron which is part of the 67th network warfare uh wing uh here in san antonio um and we liked it here you know we lived up uh, in Halotus, got a taste yeah. of the hill country and decided to go come back to new Braunfels and settle here so we're excited that's great well yeah welcome back to the area and uh, Thank you. you're gonna have lots of colleagues to hang out and a good quality of life and a good professional network to uh, continue on absolutely for our listeners uh that aren't familiar with nato um and other than maybe they see peacekeeping missions and these sorts of things that happen. What is NATO? How did it get started? And why does it have a cyber center? Sure. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and and it's it's very relevant to what's going on with NATO right now. NATO has been around for, about, for 70 years, right? And, and, and the idea was to deter uh, threats to uh, the alliance, uh, which was really small at the start. Now it's up to, I think, officially 30 countries uh, now. Uh, and when it started... Um, it, it approached uh, deterrence, which is the primary mission of NATO, is to, to, to stop people who don't like Western ways of doing things from, from doing bad things uh, to us. Uh, the, the idea was to, was to do deterrence the way that deterrence had been done by nation states and military organizations for, for centuries, and that is Identify your, your land space, identify your airspace, identify your, your uh, naval space, your maritime space, and defend it. Uh, so three years ago, uh, something very exciting happened. The heads of state agreed to recognize cyberspace as the fourth domain of operation, joining air, maritime, and, and, and land environments. And, th and that's unprecedented, obviously. But it's also really challenging. Uh, because I think when you use the word cyber or cyberspace, it can be intimidating, even to, to, to very smart people who, who know a lot about politics and warfare and operations and things like that. And the thing to think about when you think about cyberspace operations is don't concentrate on the cyber part of it, cyberspace part of it. Concentrate on the operations part of it, which makes it a lot uh, you know, less intimidating for them. So... Um, the challenge initially was, was to get people to understand just what it is that we're talking about. Cyberspace is unique from the other domains in that it doesn't have any geographic boundaries, and that's kind of how we've always done anything. Yeah. We've always done everything operationally. Um, but you still have to define it. And so the approach we took was to, was to think, think of it as concentric circles, right? Because we need to draw something on a whiteboard somewhere. Yeah. So the innermost circle is, okay, here's the stuff that is the easiest to defend, the, the, the stuff that NATO owns. And when you think about NATO, there's really not that much comparatively to, say, you know, a, a large nation state like the United States. Because NATO doesn't really fight 
NATO doesn't really do operations. It's the allies who provide forces and materiel and capabilities that, that, that do the fighting. So the innermost concentric circle is, is the networks, essentially, is what we're talking about, that NATO owns and operates to do what it does um, politically and, and operationally. The next concentric circle going out are all of the assets and capabilities that are brought to bear by the nations when NATO uh, is, is doing an, an operation. Uh, but the trick to this is those capabilities, those tools, those, those, those things uh, are sovereign. They belong to the nations. So now when, you, when you're talking as a uniform member, uh, you know, everything is about command and control. I need to be able to have this asset do what I want it to do when I need it to do it without question, without hesitation. Yeah. And nothing is done without all 29, excuse me, th now 30 nation, yeah. nations in NATO. Yeah. So the decision making process is very, very slow. And that, and that, that, that presents another challenge. Um, there's only one more and it's everything else. Yeah. Because Everything touches commercial at some point. You know, you need SATCOM uh, that, that sometimes is commercial in nature. So really what we're talking about is, is cyberspace itself, to including the Internet. And that is something that nobody will ever command and control. But we have to know the status of it, and we have to be able to, to figure out how we're going to successfully operate within it, regardless of its present status. Yeah, I mean, as, as I, I, I think about in some of the ways I've tried to explain the cyberspace and, and to folks is kind of like the the oceans and the navy you've got your own waters you've got your own assets in your own waters where you kind of have policy control over then you get out into international waters and and you're in a shared resource out there that you don't control you can't own and there's um, some loose governing rules around how everyone's supposed to behave but not everybody behaves how they should out there in those international waters on the with boats and same thing happens on the internet it's a really good analogy so so take the mediterranean for for instance where there where there are presently nato operations uh, uh ongoing to make sure that we have safe passage of travel for commercial traffic private traffic um, but also safe passage of travel for for allied uh, yes. traffic that's going on there so number one you have you have to know what's there you have to be able to identify it uh, and that's no different from how we defend networks. You have to understand your traffic. You have to understand what's normal yeah, so you can quickly identify what is abnormal yeah. and then figure out what it is that you want to do about it. Uh, I would postulate, though, and I think you'd agree with me, that it's a lot more complicated and a lot more challenging to do that in cyberspace than it is uh, in a maritime environment where yeah. we have... Boats are big and slow. They're pretty they, easy to track. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But but now those boats themselves are, are reliant not just upon the... the, the uh, the surface of the of, of the ocean and the yeah. seas but also uh cyberspace yeah because nothing happens in maritime without cyberspace so when you're talking about cyberspace as a domain of operations it is a place in which you can achieve effects uh, that, that that you desire as a nation state or as an alliance but it is also a place that does every day support operations in the other domains the other thing to remember is it's quickly becoming a place that can be supported by assets in the other domains to make sure that you have freedom of movement within cyberspace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one like as you, you go back for for folks that have studied traditional military things or you played board games growing up like Axis and Allies or whatnot. And uh, if you control the, the oceans, then you can potentially win the ground war because people can't get supplies to their troops on the ground. And cyberspace connects into all of these uh, air, 
land, sea, um, all of those areas now. And if you, if a certain um, group was not able to communicate via those cyber uh, between their different assets, they're going to be at a substantial disadvantage uh, versus others that if they do have open lines of digital communication. Well, yeah, and and your your advances the the. The advantages that you can get in cyberspace quickly become your dependencies. Um, so you have to be able to identify those crown jewels in cyberspace, just like you just like you do in the other domains. Yeah. If uh, if the commander who's in charge of of all of the assets in in the air, for instance, loses the air picture, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Right. So so you've got to defend the capabilities, um, and not not just the wires that connect those things, but ground stations and and, and commercial capabilities in order to make sure that you preserve that capability. Yeah, and, and so with uh, with NATO, you're combining together, as you said, 30, 30 countries um, and their military communications um, so that they can share messages and share other things with each other. I mean, I, I being a, a private sector guy, I think about this like a, a giant um, internet um, exchange point where uh, NATO's operating networks and systems that uh, allow for the interchange between all of these different countries. Is that kind of what's actually happening or are they directly connecting with each other and you're helping with policy? No, that's, a, that's an outstanding question. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I've been in this in this area of, of a career field in the Air Force for, for 28 years, which means I just lied to you because cyberspace hasn't been, been around for 28 years, yeah. right? Uh, but I've been doing this a long time. And and just watching the, the challenges of interoperability within the Air Force, right? And then with the, within the Department of Defense, and then with the, the State Department, because yeah. often there there's a need to share information there, or, or Homeland Defense when they stood up. You know, this is something that, that, that we've, we've all been struggling with on the commercial side and, and the government side. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right, though. We're not going to get to a point where we have 30 nations um, all buying the exact same type of router or, or you know, other, other you know, network devices yeah. to, to, to provide for interconnectivity. But we do have to make sure that, that the necessary information within an operation is able to be shared in a secure way. And that's a, that's a big challenge. Yeah. So, uh, so NATO recognized cyberspace as something that was necessary and, and stood up this center. So was this one of those um, commands where you, you volunteered for, or you got voluntold? <laughs> that's another good question. So um, I was pretty content with, with, with my career at, at the end of my last assignment as the, the commander of the 42nd Mission Support Group in, in, in Montgomery, Alabama, and, and was deciding, okay, let's, let's hang it up. Where do we want to settle down? Uh, do we want to go back to Texas? Where, what do we want to do? And uh, the, the, the flesh peddler, you know, as, as we call him, uh, gave me a call and said, hey, how about wrapping up the career with, with, with a, a few years in Europe? And I said, damn you, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went, you know, and kind of thinking because – you know, NATO, the reputation that NATO had amongst the, the, the folks that I was talking to is um, not a really difficult assignment. You know, yeah. you did get to go to Europe and enjoy all the, the sights and sounds and, and the flavors and the culture. And, and we did get a chance to do that. But um, something interesting was happening that, that if I had done a little more homework, I might have known about. And that was NATO was going through something called uh, command structure adaptation, which is not unprecedented. It, it, it does it every every so often, like any uh, successful organization. Yeah. It takes a look at wh what do I need to be, what do I need to look look like in order to achieve my objectives. But what's unique about this 
This one is the first time since the end of the Cold War, uh, transformation meant growth in NATO. Before that, it was all peace dividend stuff, getting smaller, spending less money, you know, doing what it needed to do yeah. on, on, on the cheap. And, then, and I don't mean that pejoratively, obviously. Uh, so it, it decided it needed to grow to deal with uh, a resurgent near-peer adversary uh, and, and other security threats, uh, particularly on the, the, the European and Asian continents. Uh, and with that, it recognized that, that cyberspace was, was, was a big part of this. Uh, and it recognized that every engagement going forward, be it military, political, whatever it is, is going to have a cyber component to it. Um, cyber is modern warfare. Nothing else happens without it. Nothing kinetic happens without some kind of cyber yeah, component. Very, very few military assets that do not have a microchip in them these days. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and increasingly, we, we, we also see that um, there seems to be a tendency for nation states to recognize that I can do stuff without a kinetic uh, uh, yeah. capability. I can do something in cyberspace to achieve my objective. And, and it, it doesn't even mean, you know, when we think about cyberspace operations from a military perspective, okay, we're going to do something to make something blow up. You know, we're going to leave a smoking hole somewhere. We're going to see some yeah. kind of damage. It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, and, and, and I think this is an important consideration, people think that cyber is bigger than what cyberspace operations really, really is. I mean, let's talk about... Um, Election meddling, for instance, you know, yeah. is, 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 is that a military thing? Well, it could be considered military if you're using military assets in order to do these things. But really what the, the nations who have been um, uh, somewhat uh, uh, successful in this regard, or at least busy in this regard, yeah. um, are, are, are noticing is, is, you know, cyber is just a means to an end. It's it's the ocean lane, right? To get to get to that specific port and and achieve an effect, you know. And, and but people often call that that cyberspace operations. I don't. I think that's um, information operations or information warfare. And I actually think it's time we start talking about another domain, which is the cognitive domain, where where organizations, to include nation states, are targeting the individual rather than national assets in order to achieve objectives. And we see that happening right now. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. For those that are, are out in the audience that study history on some of this, you'll see many parallels um, back to, to previous eras. Um, the challenge with the cyber is it moves much more quickly um, and it, it's harder to control. So like in, in World War II, we would um, fly over areas and we weren't always dropping bombs. We would drop pamphlets sometimes to try to get the correct information out in front of people because uh, they were getting incorrect information fed from, from their governments about what was really going on out there. And we were trying to um, share uh, our, our view of, of what reality looked like and try to get the real facts to them um, via dropping pamphlets out of planes. And now uh, this stuff is digitally fake news or real news or whatever else. That information is just moving over the Internet at a much more rapid pace than it was before. Yeah, precisely right. You know, psychological operations, information operations. You know, the pamphlet is 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 the stick and stone, if you will, um, of, of that type of warfare. Now you can do it without, you know, someone immediately being able to question, okay, well, I see this piece of paper and I knew it came from the sky. I knew I saw that plane go over and, and, yeah. and, and, and this is what this is. Now you have no idea where the message originates from, who's doing it, you know, what the objective is. Uh, it's just, uh, it goes 
almost virtually directly into the brain. Yeah, and, and attribution is is very challenging on the internet. I mean, like for folks, uh, uh, you can take a look at some of these sites that try to fact check things like Snopes and others, but it's getting to be where the the information. Um, folks that are trying to um, shape the narrative out there are building a what looks like a credible complex web of people, fake profiles, um, and fake news organizations, fake whole things that it doesn't just look like some uh, joke anymore coming through. It looks very difficult to distinguish from the real credible uh, alternative sources. So it's, yeah, it's one where um, I don't have any great recommendations for people either on how to filter that stuff out. I know it's like we head into our next election cycle here in the U.S. Everyone's trying to talk about this. It's have testimony in front of Congress. How do you control all of this? And I don't have a good answer. I haven't had a guest on the program yet with a good answer either. Yeah, and, and you don't have one here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, my advice is is question everything, you know, and it, and it, sometimes you just have to, to, to make a leap of faith. Uh, but if you can if you can verify um, that's always a good idea. And I, I'll give you an example. I mean, yeah. we talk, talk about how we just moved here, so we're setting up, we're setting up home, and, and uh, the uh, the cable service, uh, satellite service that that, that, that we chose uh, to go with, um, we were setting that up, and then I got a call shortly after installation uh, from uh, an individual uh, claiming to be affiliated with that particular provider, yeah, uh, and offered me this incredible deal. Uh, to, uh, to to pay three months up front, and I would get some some additional services and, and a reduced rate, and it, I, it sounded sounded legit. Yeah, but, but it sounded too good to be true. And typically, yeah. if it sounds too good to be true, it is right. So yeah. so I called I called the provider and said, Hey, is this legit? And of course, it wasn't. So yeah, yeah. yeah and I mean, this is uh, one where those uh, because of the speed information moves at now. Um, the uh, attackers can see if you purchase the property, they can see the deed record closing um, is that's public information. Yep. So they could know who you are, uh, what your name is, the, the date you bought that the property. And um, it they feed that back into their outbound call center of where they're doing bad acts. That's that's the nature of society today. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want to buy a house, if you want to have these services in your homes, you have to purchase these things. And, and so the information gets out there and now you're you're a target. And it happens very, very quickly. So, yeah, it's it's funny. It's I, well, I, I we uh, have a, a bunch of interns in here this summer and I got a phone call uh, recently. Um, and most of the time now, because of the amount of just uh, spurious phone traffic, I just send stuff to voicemail. And I answered the voicemail with the, the interns in the area. And uh, there was a lady calling, and she was letting me know that there was a great package to refinance my um, student loans. Uh, I'm a little bit gray hair in my beard. Uh, for those out in the listening audience that haven't uh, looked at one of the photos of us on the website or our YouTube channel or anything else, uh, I don't have any student loans at this point. And uh, but she had a tracking number for me and everything. And, and so one of our, our interns was like, we just wrote it down. They called back and so and gave the tracking number. And the lady just had a conversation with her like it was her that who had the loans, um, not me. So that tracking number for uh, uh, this was a, a female college intern. So certainly not like uh, you could mistake the two it, total fake tracking number. But they do all these things to make it sound legitimate. So, yeah. Be skeptical um, on these offers because, um, like, if you would have gone through that loan application and she kept her on the phone for about 30 or 45 minutes just wasting some of their time and learning about some of these things, um, asking for Social Security numbers, asking for your income history, asking for all sorts of information that they could then go use to 
actually go get a loan in your name. They're not going to pay off your student loans or refinance them. They're going to go get a loan likely in your name and wire it off somewhere else before you can do anything about it. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, one, one strategy which no one's going to want to use, I, and I actually heard a comedian say this uh, just, just this week, is have bad credit. and and then no one's going to want to steal your identity yeah Uh, no don't do that no no that's a it's it's a little bit funny (laughs) um and it's a real defense but this is like in the cyberspace as well it's like um uh, i guess and maybe we can talk a little bit some more about some of this stuff after the break but it's like um there's uh, some public utilities have been exploring now um removing their electronic controls um, and going back to a an analog uh, network and analog control switches and physical controls on things. And um, I don't work in the public utility industry, um, but my, my view is the you went to those technological controls because it allows you to operate things more accurately and more safely. Figure out how to secure the digital ones. Don't get back to times where like we had power plants catching fire and other things because we were in an analog world and couldn't react to operations problems in a, in a timely manner. When I was doing certification and accreditation for Air Force Space Command, I used to to sarcastically refer to that as uh, security through obsolescence. <laughs> and you know, That's you, a good one. Yeah. You, you think about what what the U.S. does in space, right? Now yeah. it all sounds Star Trek, Star Wars, very very advanced, but but the, but the truth of the matter is that a lot of these things were developed again long before cybersecurity was was a thing. Yeah. So go, you know, we don't have ten mile long screwdrivers where we can we can make adjustments on some of these things. Um, however, nobody's targeting that type of technology. I mean, who's going after MS DOS? You know, I mean, it's who, pretty tricky. Who, who's going to attack a Commodore VIC twenty? You know, it just doesn't happen, right? <laughs> Yeah, PDP-11 or whatever else is still running up there. Right. I'm just saying this. Yeah. There, there are some things out there that, that are just old. Yeah. But, but they're still effective. And and certainly, and I mean, as, as you, you have that security monitoring piece, you can, if there's limited production or limited number of devices that can communicate to it without somebody figuring out how to build one from scratch, then you can control that inventory or you can monitor the resale of it and you could see if someone was going to try to talk to your your equipment. So. There's, um, yeah, that security through obsolescence is a an, an interesting one, uh, but, but again, probably not recommended. Uh, you can actually keep modern systems safe; it is possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 I got a lot of people arguing with me saying that, hey, this is a closed system, therefore it's secure. And I would say, yeah, the the only closed system is called an etch a sketch, and even that thing has two knobs on it, so if someone can get their hands on it, they can manipulate what shows up on the screen. So everything is vulnerable in one way or another. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm joined uh, by Don Lewis, the former deputy director of NATO Cyberspace Operations Center. Uh, we're talking uh, all about interesting topics on uh, cyberspace, uh, how it's impacting the the world these days, and uh, where it's headed from here. If uh, you uh, just uh, hopped in your car right now or turned on your iHeartRadio streaming app on your computer or mobile device, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, if uh, you've been with us for the first half of the program, we will uh, be taking a quick break for a news, traffic, and weather update here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, and then uh, Don and I will be back to continue our conversation. If you are uh, not going to be able to stick with us and wanted to catch uh, this program uh, in full, it'll go up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, 
August the 6th. It'll also go out there uh, to uh, all of the different podcasting services all across the Internet. And if uh, you have a favorite podcasting service where you do not see the CyberTalk Radio program, please uh, reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter at CyberTalk Radio. Let us know. Uh, we will fix that, and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio T-shirt. So uh, when we do come back from the break, uh, we're going to uh, have a couple of discussions. Uh, one will be uh, how cybersecurity is not IT. Um, information technology is, is not the same as cybersecurity. And uh, we'll cyber and cyberspace, and we'll uh, dive into to that, as well as uh, talking about uh, how, as in an organization with 30 nation members of NATO, uh, how do you stand up a cyber operations center in two years or less? And uh I mean, I think for many in the private sector, they would struggle to uh, have their board say, we need a cyber operations center. They would struggle to have it online and really functioning in, in that type of time frame. So we will uh, dive in and learn uh, from Don on what he can share and, and how you can accomplish something like that uh, in an organization such as NATO. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. We're talking the modernization of cyber defense and uh, how uh, some different things happened at NATO uh, over the last few years as they officially declared uh, cyberspace. Is it cyberspace? Was that what they, they've called it officially? Very, very deliberately. Okay. Uh, you know, and and we're, const we're constantly correcting people who would say cyber, cyber this, cyber that. Yeah. You know, it's always cyberspace because that is the domain, right? Yeah. So, and before we went into to the break here, if you uh, just tuned in after the news traffic and weather update, I, uh, this half of the program we're going to talk uh, about how kind of, yeah, cybersecurity and cyberspace is not information technology and how some of those are different. And then as well as um, in a, an organization as um, global and complicated as NATO, how can you stand up a cyberspace operations center um, in a couple of years? Because that does not sound like something super easy to do. and It'll be very valuable for uh, folks inside their own organizations trying to think of how do you agree on policies and, and all these just decision-making things to roll out and get a, a center up and running. Uh, so if you're going to be able to stick with us uh, here on the air, great, uh, in your car. Or if uh, you hop out of your car, the uh, iHeartRadio streaming app is available on Android, iOS devices, or through your web browser at iHeartRadio.com. Uh, if you are listening to us uh, via one of the podcast services uh, on archive and streaming, thank you very much. Please uh, subscribe to CyberTalk Radio. Uh, let us know on Facebook or Twitter uh, what type of guests you would like to see on the program and uh, which uh, topics we uh, should cover uh, in more depth here for you, our listening audience. So, uh, Don, uh, thank you again for, for coming in to join us on this. Welcome back to uh, San Antonio. I'm glad uh, you've uh, chosen to uh, add another uh, great experienced professional here into our cybersecurity community, even if you're you're, you're not going to really be able to stay fully retired in this community. <laughs> but uh, we can talk about that another day as you uh, get your house set up and other things going here uh, in San Antonio. Uh, so first on this, just cyber and IT, because as you're in NATO talking uh, with all these folks, how are you explaining um, these things? Because it, it sure feels like that they're like, aren't you just the um, the military police or the, the cybersecurity people? Aren't you just the, 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 the base um, security guards for our, our information technology? Right. Yeah. And, and, and the way you put it, that, that, that's, that is a common mis misconception. Um, I try to explain it as, as you know, and, and I don't call it cybersecurity, you know, what, what, we, what we were trying to achieve there. Yeah. Cybersecurity has been going on in NATO for a long time. There's an organization there called the, the NATO Communications and Information Agency, 
which uh, most of your listeners would recognize as the IT service provider for NATO. Yeah. And we recognized a long, long time ago in, in the IT uh, industry that you, know, you have to secure it, right? So uh, there's a strong cybersecurity team that does all of those technical things that are necessary to, to defend the ones and zeros that are traversing the network. But that is not cyber defense. And it is not cyber operations. Cyber defense is a subset of cyber operations. Uh, cyber defense uh, consists of uh, bringing in information uh, about the network, and some of that is technical in nature. You know, how is our traffic right now? Uh, where where are people knocking on the door? Where where are people able to penetrate? You know, what are the bad things that are happening to the network? But it's also national level intelligence as to who the bad actors are who are out there, be they uh, nation state sponsored or activists or individuals or even the pimple faced 12 year old sitting in his grandmother's basement, you know, who, who is trying to, to, to defend the network. And then it's also being able to identify where your centers of gravity are, not just in cyberspace, but in all the, the, the domains, the three physical domains, and making sure you identify what is most important to what you're trying to achieve right now, be it political, be it military, or be, be it uh, business, right, you yeah. know, out, out, outside of NATO. And then, and then putting all of that into a big hopper, if you will, and coming out with uh, a risk assessment and, and risk management. And, and I'm not talking about anything that your listeners aren't going to recognize. This is the same thing that, that, that businesses need to do, large corporations, banks, medical, um, you know, protecting the information. But that's not cybersecurity. Uh, one of the things I think that any organization who's, who's recognizing that it needs to do more from a cyber defense perspective is you have to start by, by looking at how you do IT. You know, I'm making little quote marks in the air, how you do IT. Yeah. Um, how is your, your IT organization set up? Where is your cybersecurity? Um, how is it done? And then very, very importantly, you have to decide, okay, how am I? And again, I'm talking, you know, as someone who, who was doing this from a uniform perspective, how do you command and control those assets? Um, that's one of the things that, that, made it complicated in, in an organization as diverse uh, as, as, as NATO is you have, you, you use the network for, for, for different things. You use it for political purposes. You use it for just traditional desktop business purposes. And then sometimes you use it for operational purposes. But trying to separate the stuff that does those things sometimes is like trying to cut water. Right. Because yeah. because in it, that doesn't work. You know, I mean, everything just kind of flows back together because they're the same assets. Um, when you're talking from a military perspective, uh, and this is the way we were all brought up, uh, there's there's a basic premise that command cannot be shared. Yeah. You know, it, there has to be a single chain of command and there has to be no discussion about, well, geez, I don't like that decision. I don't really want to follow that decision. And when someone's attacking you, you know, or doing something yeah. that, that's painful to you. There's no time to have those those debates. So yeah, there's a, a quote I love. I'll I'll butcher it a little bit from uh, General Powell uh, back. Is that uh, yeah? While we're discussing an issue, I want your candid, honest opinion. Uh, but once a decision has been made, you will walk out of the room as if it was your own. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. And 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 that's an important thing that you have to consider when when you, when you're doing something uh, 
new and and as big a deal as as it was to to identify a new operational domain for for the alliance yeah so so the decision was made to to stand this up um so that i'm sure took some time to get going so how do you get from like an idea so somebody's like here don here's a check here's some money go actually turn this into a facility with personnel and and all the rest of that in two years or less. Oh, if it was only that simple, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not how it went down. Yeah, you know, no. the, the, the the wheels were set in motion, you know, um, long before, I say long, really not long before I arrived. There were some decisions in 2014 and 2015 um, by NATO headquarters. And, and, and again, it's it's important to, to make that distinction that nothing happens without without the alliance. All, yeah. all, all of the, uh, the heads of state or their representatives agreeing this is what we want to do. Um, so they started, they started identifying uh, cyberspace as, as an area that was becoming increasingly important um, not, not really all that long ago. The decision in 2016 at the summit when all the heads of states gathered in Brussels to, to recognize, uh, to, to stand up, excuse me, the, the Cyberspace Operations Center, that, that was a linchpin. You know, that, that was a watershed moment where, okay, now we know we're going to do this. But work had already begun to identify what the structure needs to look like, what kind of uh, skill sets do we need. Uh, and then there's a, there's a very political process where the nations um, come together, and it's, it's, it's not unlike trading baseball cards. You know, yeah. okay, I, I'm interested in that position, that post. Well, I am too, but if you give me this one and, and this one over here, then I'll acquiesce over here. So, so that that process has to happen. Yeah, because that's very different Like inside the U.S. military. If you're going to stand up a new command, they're going to figure out the officer that's going to run that command, and then they're going to go and look and, and assign new people into that command, and then, then off they go. Yeah. Here, it, it's not like that they're, yeah, I guess it goes all the way up to NATO, but like the staff and the folks in there, it's not all just coming from one organization, one command. You're running a, a multi-nation um, cyberspace center. Right. You know, and like any big bureaucracy there, there there's bureaucratic processes yeah. that 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 are not always um responsive to what you need but i but i have to commend uh, the nations of the alliance for for coming together and recognizing how important uh, this is and and being very responsive and 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 pledging to support um the effort so uh the team that i was fortunate enough to to, to work with i think did a did a really good job of rapidly putting together a plan and, and identifying here, here's what we need from from a human resources perspective. Here are some capabilities uh, that 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 we need, and then the nations turn around saying, "Yep, that 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 looks like a, a reasonable plan. Let's let's support this." And uh, it, it moved forward very very quickly. So um, I'm very happy to have had an opportunity to be a part of that. Yeah. So as as they kind of got the the center staffed at the the leadership level, how long did it take to go from your your leadership team coming together until you had all of the personnel to go? Um, start operating well again if it was only yeah. that if it was only that, that simple it, yeah it, it's it's it, it wasn't you know like field of dreams you know yeah. you build it and they will come it, 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 you have to use the deliberate processes that are that are already in place and before the break i, I spoke about adaptation um in some ways it was very it was very painful to be trying to set this this thing up this this operation center up during adaptation when everybody is jockeying for every every penny well every euro um yes. <laughs> and 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 every person and every asset and physical space i mean that, that these these are very real real uh, constraints that have to be that have to be dealt with 
But then at the same, in the same breath, I can't imagine trying to do this outside of the process of adaptation because NATO had already made the, the, the very important decision that it was going to grow. Yeah. So, so we knew that there was, you know, some of the pie was going to come our way. Uh, to be pounding on doors saying we need we need more assets we need more we need more people we need more money um, outside of a process like that we, we would have had a lot of doors slammed on our face I think right away so already having the decision by the nations to say this is important and we need to fund this um, made it a little more uh, achievable yeah and and so now as as that is uh, it's up and it's running um, where where does it go from here from like a, a command perspective I think is I look on the outside uh, at our U.S. military there's cyber operations in all four of the different branches of the Department of Defense they all have some cyber capabilities some more than others there's talk of like do we have its own our own cyber defense force as a separate thing is should space force be a separate thing as this military landscapes are changing how is how is the inside of NATO you have just like we do in the US military there's air sea um, land forces and now the cyber defense force how how is is that viewed as is it viewed as a fourth real full separate command um, it, from a NATO perspective? Is it different than we're looking at it here in the U.S. right now? That's a great question, Brett. So so we, we've already established that uh, cyberspace is a fourth operational domain, right? Yeah. So if you're going to create something to defend it, you know, why recreate the wheel? Look at what you've got. There are three separate and distinct commands for the land, air, and maritime uh, domains, Name very creatively, yes. land, landcom, aircom, and marcom for yeah. mar maritime. So, initially, right, the, the the natural reaction would be, well, stand up cyber command. Um, there's a couple of reasons why we didn't do that initially. Um, one is uh, it, it wouldn't have been very prudent um, because of exactly what you said. Cyber skill sets are difficult to come by. Period. And end of statement. Yeah. In in the commercial sector, in the military sector, because it's it's relatively new, and because now we're talking about an alliance, you know, some nations may may not be as willing as others to provide some of their very best and brightest in order to to defend the alliance, because we're all very busy trying to defend our own national uh, assets. Yes. So so we decided to uh, to to build it within the within the shape headquarters. Uh, and leverage the uh, the capabilities of the staff that were already in place there, make make it a little bit easier, at least initially, uh, and potentially see it grow into a full fledged cyber command at some future point. However, there's there's not presently any 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 plan to do that. I think I, I think it's a let's start doing this, and let's see where this goes. And, and I think, you know, where it goes from here, um, is at least partially dependent on what uh, potential adversaries do, yeah. right? Um, they're already busy uh, because cyberspace is the only domain that is always on. Um, of course, there's always air, there's always maritime stuff, there's always, there's always things, but there's not necessarily military operations that are always going on in, in, in those things. There's always a need to defend cyberspace because the, 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 the threat is ever present. There's yeah. always someone trying to get onto your network. There's always someone trying to do something bad to you. So you, so right now it's, uh, you know, uh, crawl, walk, uh, and, and, and run, you know, but 
They're yeah, up I mean, right now. This is why, I mean, one of the real challenges in uh, Brad Smith, the chief legal officer at Microsoft, uh, wrote a pretty famous blog post uh, a few years ago, and, and I think he also sent it out as an official letter to um, all of the, the members of the U.N., uh, asking for a cyber Geneva Convention because uh, there as you said the cyber is always on because right now there's no defined cyber rules of war yeah um, in, in the like what is uh, acceptable conduct what are you allowed to do under peacetime operations like where where are international waters where are the coastal waters it's it, the cyber um, space is a uh, its own um, uncharted uh, unmapped and um, the without clear rules of engagement boundaries drawn right now it, I agree, but but I, I think there's there's uh, benefit to being purposefully vague. Yeah. In 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 identifying, okay, here's the line, right? Um, because if if you're not very very specific about what that line is, someone will find a way to get around it, or or even just step across it and see what, what you're what you're going to react to. Yeah. Uh, so so I think that there's because of exactly what you said, it's it's so undefinable, it's so it's so difficult to to say, I'm this is what I will tolerate and this is what I will not tolerate. Well, I'll, I'll leave a little bit to the imagination, and and again, we'll figure this out as we go. Yeah, and uh, and as as we uh, look at this, the the cyber landscape, um, yeah, it's it's one that's tricky from a, a private sector perspective as well, um, because if you're a, a large private enterprise, and this is one like where Microsoft is, um, he didn't directly say this in his letter, but I'll read between the lines. Um, he feels like as a, a large technology company, you're getting attacked directly by nation states. And as a private company, you're not allowed to attack back. You right. can't go defend yourself. Um, and because there aren't these like rules of war mapped out for cyber, uh, there's nothing saying that national militaries can't attack private sector targets. Uh, but if a national military were to um, land tanks in, in Redmond, Washington, and drive them into Microsoft's campus, the U.S. military would defend Microsoft, um, but the U.S. military maybe not defending Microsoft directly or other companies on the, the Internet because there's no there's no rules mapped out that this hasn't been discussed, decided at a global level at the U.N. or other areas where we can figure out uh, what's going on. Now, for listeners in our audience, you probably feel like the Internet is the center of everything at this point, but really it's uh, 15 or 20 percent of our global economy. So um, listening and seeing our, our world leaders not at a point where they've figured this all out yet. It's because still 80% or more of what goes on out there in the world, um, frankly, would probably continue to go on even if we didn't have the Internet. It would be slower, a little bit more messy, uh, but we would go back to doing a lot of the things that we were doing uh, without it. Um, so being able to map out those those other domains and protect them and understand the rules there still from an economic and, and global perspective um by by my judgment more important than the the cyber side of things but it's the cyber is going to continue to grow um in the importance for the the global economy our trade and our society well consider the advent of 5g right yeah and and what that's going to do to, to some of the figures that, that that you just shared um there's going to be there there is already a, an incredible demand signal to leverage 5g in order to increase Bottom line, from a business perspective, uh, or your your national objectives from a, from a national political per, uh, perspectives. But are you are you are you signing you know yeah. a contract with the devil? Um, who who's creating these capabilities, and and what kind of leverage are they going to have on you to deny you it 
when you become completely dependent uh, upon it. It's it's uh, that's something that we have to watch very carefully. And nations, I think, are struggling with that too because you have what appears to be, at least on the surface, uh, a, a business, a commercial enterprise. But outside of Western democracies, it's clear that some of these businesses are are aligned with the. Uh, with, with, with nation states with their own political objectives. Yeah. So that is something that we have to be concerned about. It's something we have to be very careful about going forward. And it's, yeah, it's going to get um, tricky. So for then, like this, you're going to have the kind of combination of uh, the cyberspace and cyber defense coming together with this actual physical space outside of uh, in the low Earth orbit area and then on up into higher orbit. So uh, for those not um, kind of tracking along with 5G, that's going to be the, the cellular technology that's going to give us super high-speed mobile chips that can go into our local computing devices. But we're going to connect those into uh, low Earth orbit satellite meshes. Um, there's already been uh, approval for launch uh, for SpaceX to put up a, a mesh of satellites. Uh, Samsung is a received approvals um, to launch thousands of satellites as well as uh, an Amazon-affiliated organization um, to be able to build a high-speed internet network that will allow all these 5G devices to communicate more quickly than they can over today's fiber network. So um, all of this uh, is is set to see a, a huge transformation in the speed and of data um, that we can send around the globe and the and also the volume of data that we're going to be able to send around the globe is coming over the course of the next 10 to 20 years. Um, I mean, it will be as big as the transition from dial-up to what we currently call broadband. Um, we're going to see that next level of transformation again where high-speed data is available and ubiquitous everywhere, um, and it's going to really start to blur some of these national borders. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and uh, we're discussing uh, standing up a cyber defense center uh, for NATO. Uh, and Don, so as, as you were putting that uh, together, and uh, you've got 30 countries, um, all, I'm sure you, you probably had at least one person on your, your team in your center from each of those 30 different countries. No, we not not quite all no, of them. No, we huh? didn't. No, like you know, again, when 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 you're dealing with 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 that many different nations, uh, you know, they're going to have strengths in some areas and and maybe not not as strong in some other areas. So uh, there were there were some nations that were you know considered to be very capable. Yeah, know, in in cyber, U.S. being being among them. So it it was. It was great, Brett, being able to see, you know, who brought what to the table yeah. as, as we pulled these folks together. And actually, what it meant to some of them was, you know, perhaps different than, than, than some of the other some of the other nations. Some some of the folks that, that I had the, the great opportunity to work with come from nations that are, you know, right along the eastern border with yeah. with with with, with uh, you know, with, with some of the bigger uh, actors in cyber yes. and, and, and not from a friendly perspective. Um, so to, to see the enthusiasm from them and, and how important it was to, to them and their nations for, for this to be a successful endeavor was, was, was really moving uh, in, in a lot of ways. And, and when I went there, I mean, it, 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 in some ways, when I first went, I'm like, okay, this is, this is another assignment, not, not unlike others that I have, but 
it ended up being very, very different and really rewarding in a lot of ways. It was a great way to, to, to cap off a, a 28-year career in the Air Force. Yeah. So as you, you pull together folks from different backgrounds with different primary languages, so how do you, from a team-building perspective, cultural diversity, how does that work? Is it good? <laughs> well, first of all, thank God the official language of NATO is English yeah. because I would have been in a real bad place. <laughs> um, and, and mad respect to, to my colleagues who, who, you know, they have to show uh, a, a level of proficiency before they even get assigned yeah uh to a nato positions and and you know i just yeah it, i just really respect the fact that they could just do that you know very non-technical thing but very yeah. difficult um but it, it was it was a lot of fun you know and and they they all brought different skills uh different capabilities and different personalities and that was probably my favorite favorite part of it uh and then the willingness to give each other you know some some good nature ribbing um, because of the, the uh, um, differences in, 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 in the nations. And it's, and it's typical stuff, you know, yeah. the, the, the stuffy British, the, 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 the uh, very, very, you know, the, the rich Americans, you know. The very serious Germans. Yeah, the very serious and angular Germans. Yes, they, yes. Were, they were a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. If you're uh, listening in your car right now or truck driving out there on a, one of our freeways here in the center of the U.S. listening uh, to 1200 WA on that 50,000-watt blowtorch we, uh, we call our antenna, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. If uh, you just hopped in and did not hear the whole program, this will go up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, July the 8th. It will also go out there all across the Internet uh, on all the different podcasting services. If you are uh, tuning in on one of those podcasting services, uh, thank you very much. Please subscribe. Uh, reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know what you, you like about the program or what you uh, would like to see from future guests. Uh, if you would like to be a future guest yourself, uh, on our website, there's a, a forum there to contact us or we respond to direct messages on Twitter and, and uh, other places out there as well. On, on past programs, we've uh, touched on a, a number of areas that we, we talked about a little bit lightly today, whether it's industrial control system security, whether it's uh, some of the uh, national cyber defense sharing commands and, uh, and other areas uh, with uh, such as uh, Congressman Will Hurd. I've had uh, Jackie Cal Allen, who's the Bear County Election Commissioner, on talking about how we secure our voting machines uh, in Bear County here in Texas. Uh, so you can learn uh, all about different areas of this, uh, checking out uh, all of the programs uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, and if you would love to see still photos of my guests and I, uh, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. But uh, no, we're not doing video today, and we never will be in the future. So thank you very much, Don, for joining us, and uh, thank you for listening out there in the audience today. Thanks, Brett. My pleasure.